I, I'm old enough to remember the, the golden age of the internet where everything was a separate website and everything was a forum and you had people actually talking uh, before before the advent of the trolls coming out of their digital internet bridge to, to capture goats and sell children on Wayfair. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Well, morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you happen to be at, at whatever time you happen to be listening. I am Antonio. And apparently, I'm in the Truman Show. <laughs> I'm Corey. Well, uh, real quick, uh, I guess we should maybe uh, come clean as to why we have not been present for the past couple of weeks. Uh, I, myself, have been home on quarantine with the dreaded covid and was really in no condition or attitude to uh, do any kind of recording. And uh, Corey's got some news about uh, one of the Mrs. Pod things. Yes, we have a new baby pod thing. The other reason, right around the time Antonio starts feeling better, we have a baby. That's right. <laughs> and a so, bunch of other uh, things yeah. that have happened between the last time we recorded and now that we're not going to go into that have delayed us. It's true, but here we are. So, uh, welcome back to uh, to Pod Thing, and we are uh, we are glad to be your hosts and to the foray into our madness. Yeah, and I tell you what, though, we kind of picked up a weird time to to break with all the stuff that happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for certain. Um, so, real quick for anybody listening uh, regarding things like COVID. Um, if anyone's curious about my symptoms, not necessarily about me as a person, because I'm a character on a, pod, on a podcast. Um, but uh, so I had a total loss of taste and smell. Uh, I had a terrible fever, headache and muscle ache that lasted for about 48 straight hours with an unproductive cough. And that was miserable. Uh, and then after that, for the subsequent two weeks, it was really just the unproductive cough and the complete lack of taste and smell. So went on a went on a quarantine for 14 days and uh, drank a lot of soup. Uh, used about half a bottle of hot sauce on it to see if I could taste anything, and the answer to that is no. Uh, I certainly felt it when it went down the throat, but couldn't taste anything on the tongue. Um, and uh, yeah, drank a, drank a lot of beer. Couldn't taste that either, but I, I certainly felt the effects. Um, isn't the effect what you go for anyway? I mean, pretty much. I, I do like the taste of beer, uh, uh, but yeah. Oh, I mean, when you're agree. when 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 you're when, listen, I, I have a lot of friends in the medical field from from my time in the military. I've got a I've got a slight medical background, nothing like internal medicine or any kind of like immunology or anything like that. But you know, uh, but one thing I do know is fluids, fluids, fluids. And if I know anything, it's that beer is a fluid. And if they put you on a clear liquid diet, beer can technically be a clear liquid. I mean, especially if you're drinking light beer, which I was, because, you know, I gotta, I gotta watch the weight. I'm, I've been getting fat. Well, you know, they make hard seltzer now, too. Uh, they do. I, I do. I do appreciate a hard seltzer. The, you know, I, I do appreciate some White Claws, or I did. Um, but, you know, White Claws got some, a really nasty, like, diety aftertaste for me nowadays, but Truly's, Truly's is on point. By the way, we're not sponsored by Truly's, but Truly's, if you're listening and you want to sponsor us, we are more than happy and willing I'm gonna just sit in my car, Bach. <laughs> uh, I am currently drinking one of the Yingling flights, 
which is uh, easily my new favorite light lager. Very I can nice. I can I can I can sit in my room and I can drink a twelve pack and and cry myself to sleep and then I wake up and I don't have a headache. So it's yes, pretty welcome good. Welcome to our new segment. What is pot they drink? <laughs> pot things drinking. I am drinking my go to IPA by a local Houston brewery named Carbock, um, called the Hopadillo. I love that stuff. Very yummy. It is very good. So, we finally just got it here in Florida a couple of years ago. Thank goodness. It's just a very solid IPA. Um, and it's what sparked my love of IPAs was this one. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. You want to get I a remember... good one, you get their Rodeo Cloud. Now, their Rodeo Cloud's a double IPA. It's really good, though. I have never thought to ferment a Rodeo Clown, but I will try that. I guess the show continues. We will talk about something, a couple of big video game things that happened while we were out, because there were a couple. So we had talked about Xbox discontinuing the one-year Xbox Live subscription, correct? Mm-hmm. So then a rumor ran around the internet of people thinking, oh, it's going to go free. Microsoft's about to make multiplayer free. So Microsoft came out and said, no, we're not. You still have to pay. You have to pay to have friends on Microsoft's network. Look, you have to... You're, I, I don't understand why everybody wants it to go free. Once it goes free, there's no incentive for Microsoft to maintain it. Well, you also have to remember, too, and this is the, not, not to sound political, this is, this is more of just um, a facet of business. Uh, if, if a product or a service is free, then it is not the product you are. But it's... So, that was just something quick I wanted to do an update to before we get to the meat and potatoes here. Um, there was a huge Nintendo info dump. Thank you, 4chan. Yeah, you would, you know, who's <laughs> surprise, surprise, a network filled with hackers hacked something and, right. and took advantage of coding. Who knew? But it's I a, guess the code worked. Yeah, so we're looking, we're looking at the information here. It's pretty interesting so far. Uh, Corey, did you want to go over some of that? I, I do. So let's start with what some of the big things that have been leaked um, that aren't images and things like that that we're seeing from like betas let's talk about some of the actual codes that have been leaked um we've had the entire development repository for the following things leaked um the official ds emulator in san in ensata um pokemon diamond and pearls development repository a canceled gba peripheral called the net card more on that in a minute and what i think it linked to and what we'll talk about um also leaked were the repositories for the Game Boy Advance BIOS, the Game Boy Color Boot ROM, the full ROM databases for the Famicom and NES, the full repository for the Wii Shop Channel server-side source code, um, de personal development repositories from Diamond and Pearl developers, master ROM source code for Mario RPG, um, very, very many backup tapes, uh, Super Mario World 2 prototypes which there are images and videos of floating around and then the big one is that there's also source code for a bunch of game boy and Su for some game boy and super nintendo games some of the biggest ones being star fox star fox 2 uh link's awakening a link to the past mario all-stars with mario world a the wii's game boy emulator for the virtual console f-zero mario kart and yoshi's island so something else i'm also seeing here uh, they have source code for an Animal Crossing villager. Uh, you've already mentioned the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Uh, 
hidden characters from Star Fox. Uh, yeah. A very strange and a very strange Yoshi, uh, and then they've got a title called Hockey RPG, which looks pretty interesting. And then now, from what I'm seeing here uh, from someone on Twitter, uh, they found a tool that was made for Star Plus uh, for Star Fox Two. Pardon me, uh, th- that is like 30 years old, and it's basically a uh, it's a C plus uh, plus. It's it's a very old C plus plus code generator. The, de- and the wow. developers have confirmed that they made it and hadn't seen it in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy. The fact that there was sub- also leaked was that there was apparently um, evidence of a Pokemon MMO that you would have to link your Game Boy Advance to a PC, which is probably that that net card. Yeah, so one article I'm seeing here says that they've also found an unused beach area in Ocarina of Time, uh, or one or what one would have looked like, uh, and you can get an enemy that didn't make it into Super Mario 64, which is interesting. There, so some of these journalists are likening it to historians using X-ray imaging techniques to see the layers underneath a Leonardo da Vinci painting. Only in this case, we're able to see the steps designers took uh, when creating some of their most defining works. I, I think it's a pretty Pretty cogent way of putting that. Uh, and, and just for the sake of credit, uh, that particular excerpt and some of this information that I'm getting right now uh, that I'm citing comes from TheVerge.com. And the yes. author for that article, real quick, is Andrew Webster. And I wanted to make sure I give proper credit for that uh, yeah, before we continued. Mine from a Screen Rant article that has the, the list compiled cont- for us um, by Zachary... Fairfax, or I'm sorry, not Zachary. <laughs> yeah, Zachary. Zachary Fairfax into this one. But here's a couple of By other things. By the way, things. real quick, these these comments are fantastic. Someone's oh, yeah. saying it's like a it's like a WikiLeaks event, but in the gaming world, it's just not as big as the Afghan and Iraq war. So, <laughs> oh, thanks. Something, a couple of things. One, well, I guess I should say probably one of the one of the biggest things that we've got was a bunch of Super Mario 64 data as well that confirmed Luigi was originally planned at least in an early build of the game. They were able to pull images and polygon polygonal models for Luigi. There's compressed voice samples that they've uncompressed. Speaking of uncompressed, they've uncompressed all of the voice samples they've gotten, um, including the infamous "So Long, Gay Bowser" confirmed. But yeah, Luigi was so supposed to be in Mario 64, and the fan thing of "L is real 2401." If you think about it, these leaks came 24 years and one month after Mario 64 came out in Japan. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, yeah, okay, so here we go. I'm looking at, oh, wow, I'm looking at some of these game sprites that are supposed to be, like, really controversial or weird uh, immediately. Oh, look, there's a there's a, there's a porn link. Yeah, All right, a thanks, pop one of these. Yes, one of these actually has, like, a penis <laughs> in it. Like, one of the Nintendo leaks, it's a penis. Wow, there's Bowser. Wow, so I'm, I'm actually looking at, at Bowser's uh, alleged legs. That's That's pretty... Fucking weird. Alrighty. Yeah. Bowser has <laughs> legs and in... like chicken legs. They're like green chicken legs. Yes. <laughs> Yoshi smoking a thing or there's a toad in a building smoking a cigarette. You have the Star Fox O faces. I'm looking for that one right now. I'm seeing um I'm seeing like a derpy Yoshi. It's like a Yoshi tadpole kind of thing with like an elongated face. That's odd. Yes. It's like the it's, evolutions yeah. of Yoshi. 
Giant toad, baby Bowser. Yeah, the toad is, it's, it, it's, there's a building that has Mario, Yoshi, Kirby, and Toad is smoking in the in there. I do. It's, it's an apartment building. Yeah. It's like an apartment building, and Toad is smoking a cigarette on his on his balcony, and Yoshi's doing laundry. That's super cool. I like this. The Koopa's throwing a towel out. It's like decorative. He's got his little, oh, that's cool. They got their shells hanging out to dry. There's Kirby. There's Dr. Mario. From yeah. what I can see, unless that's, unless that's Luigi looking in a mirror that looks like Dr. Mario. Beavis and F-Zero X. Wow, this is cool. I like Mario this. Mario with wings. Yeah, this there's is a really lot cool. of really cool stuff. I like this a lot. Let's see. Very creepy version of Giant Baby Bowser from the end of Yoshi's Island. Oh, yep. there's all the uh, there's all the damage and what I imagine are death faces unless someone is on their knees in the cockpit in front of these respective characters. But it's really weird for Slippy to be making that face if that's the case. Uh he seems more horrified than anything. Right. Someone's uh, trying to get a promotion within the Star Fox ranks. Now, do you understand why we don't see the dog in the in the final game? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, he's he's the one in charge. He's the he's the commander. Oh no, no! In Star Fox Two, there's uh, they leaked the trailer from the, the Nintendo showed at CES '95. And in there, there were two additional characters, which was like a female dog and like another cat type person. And oh. they didn't make it into the final game. Interesting. Let's see. ROMs canceled game. Oh, whole canceled games. Yes. Let's see. This is interesting. And then there's um, Zelda 2 remake for Satellaview. There's some Link sprites from that that they're thinking. Zelda 3 scratch pad sprites for what are presumed to be Zelda 3, which would have been Link to the Past. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing that. There's, a Super, there's, there's the Super Mario All-Stars that you mentioned. Uh, a Yoshi's Island-style Donkey Kong game called Super Donkey Kong. Yep. Yoshi's Island originally had a different sprite character in it other than what looked like Yoshi. It looked like Oh, Mario other. Kart prototypes. That's cool. Yeah, there's a lot in these leaks and I do implore you to check them out if you if you get the chance because a lot of this is like just classic gaming history and you're seeing the early development and what went into some of the most known games of all time. Yeah, the internet's such a fun place to be. It's it's nice to see as as I look through this too, I'm kind of it's it's nice to see that there's there's so much of the actual internet still left. Not not that the not that of course I don't I don't peruse the internet, but there's always there's so many uh so many main sites as it were. I think the last statistic I saw on it was that I think it's like ninety percent of internet traffic goes through uh Facebook, Twitter and Google. And like yeah. that's that's really, really depressing when you consider that, honestly. Uh just because I, I, I'm old enough to remember the, the golden age of the internet where everything was a separate website and everything was a forum and you had people actually talking uh, before before the advent of the trolls coming out of their digital internet bridge to, to capture goats and sell children on Wayfair. I mean, oh, I'm sorry, too soon? I wasn't <laughs> going to bring that up on this show, but I mean, we could talk about Wayfair. That's, want, that's not I a political to topic, I'm not sir. I'm going to go order myself a Brandon today. Yeah, please don't. I think, but now getting back to the links, some of the leaks, some of the stuff I'm seeing too, one of my favorite images is Luigi flipping the bird. 
There's a Luigi flip in the bird. I missed that. Oh, there's a oh Castlevania four prototype source code. That's so cool. Yep. Where's Luigi flipping the bird? I'm not seeing that on this particular page. This is great. I have a link here, a, a source. It's, it's an article from, and I hate the website. I do. I'm going to be honest, but thegamer.com. I am not saving any of these links I am currently looking at, and I apologize to our listeners for that. Uh, but, yeah, cancel best. Pokemon MMO, Pokemon Sprites, and some beta Pokemon Sprites. Beta Rotom. Beta Garchomp line. Oh, man. So much. Dragonfly. We have actual data graphics for Dragonfly, which is, wow, which is basically Pilot Wings. I love Pilot Wings, one of my favorite games for the SNES. To this day. To this day, I, I actually, and I'm not exaggerating or, or, or lying when I say this, I was actually playing Pilot Wings a week and a half ago. Love it. Still great. Yeah, the original Pilot Wings and Pilot Wings 64 are great. I have never played 64. I should. They're I'm sure it's, I'm they're sure it's just, also good. They're simple but super challenging games. Yeah, they're, they're simple. and I like how they're so, they're so friendly. If you've never played Pilot Wings before, listeners, um, it starts off where it's like, Welcome to flight school. Here's a biplane. Here's some skydiving. Here's a rocket belt. And here's a hang glider. And we're going to test your scores and see if you can get to all these targets and do this stuff. And we're nice. And it's pretty. And the music is soothing. And it's motivating. And then you get to, like, the fifth level. And they're like, here's an attack helicopter. Go kill terrorists. And you're like, what the fuck? Yep. <laughs> what is this shit? I had no idea this is a military academy. It's so it's so nice and it's so inviting and friendly and like, oh, I see what you're doing here. Yeah, here you're is. enticing Never. children to murder. Land in this circle on your parachute. Good job. Here's your AK-47. Go land on this battlefield. And it's even better too because the hell the uh, sorry spoiler alert the game is like thirty plus years old so you're gonna have to get over it at this point. Um, the, the all of the training missions have absolutely nothing to do with the final helicopter mission. Like the the controls are not the same. None of the flight dynamics are the same. Everything you've been doing for the last four to five levels is absolutely useless in comparison to what you're doing for this helicopter mission. It's just it's silly, but it's it's a fun game. I do find it to be really enjoyable, and I I have I sank many an hour into it when I was younger, and uh, I sank many an hour into it a couple weeks ago while I was sick. No. I have rediscovered my love of Breath of the Wild recently, so that's what I've been doing. I rebooted up my Wii U and picked it up for the first time in apparently three years. Oh man, I'll tell you what too. You have not screamed at a screen until you've like Super Metroid screamed at a screen. <laughs> Damn. Dude, oh my god. You're not it's even so kidding. floaty. It's so floaty. Super All of the jumping controls. One of the greatest games I have ever played, and it is still one of the worst controlling games I have ever played. Oh, sure, absolutely. the The combat dynamic of it is really good. Um, it's it really is just the controls. It's the, it's just the jumping mechanics and all of the platforming aspects of it. And I think it's one of those reasons why, like, and and it's an unpopular opinion because Super um Super Metroid in a way really refined the Metroid dynamic. But uh, my favorite Metroid to this day is, uh, or at least my my favorite uh, side-scrolling 2D Metroid to this day is uh, Metroid Fusion. Uh, I think that I think that they really perfected I that formula. I can't argue with that Metroid Fusion because if you actually so fun fact, if you start up Metroid Fusion, 
do you really have you ever actually paid attention to the intro intro to that game? It calls it Metroid Four. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, Which, because that's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly it what it is. Because they didn't even acknowledge the Prime. They, they acknowledge Prime as its own separate entity. It's not even part of the core Metroid franchise. So we're still actually waiting for Metroid Five because what we've gotten since Metroid Fusions was Zero Mission, which is a remake of Metroid One for the Game Boy Advance. And then the mm-hmm. next side-scrolling one we got was Samus Returns, which is Metroid uh, you, it was, or Return yeah, of you Samus. Got, yeah, you've got, you, yeah, you got, you got the, yeah, the remake, of, the Metroid remake of Metroid 2. So we're um, still waiting so, on a brand-new Metroid game because the last brand-new Metroid entry, and I mean brand-new, not a spin-off, was Other M, and we can't leave Metroid sitting on other fucking M. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. For, first of all, in my opinion, at least, and this is me just being one of those quote-unquote toxic fanboys, because I'm, I'm hearing that more and more nowadays, which is sad. I was like, oh, all the fanboys are toxic. And no, fa- fanboys aren't... Well, let me rephrase, actually. Let, let's, let's get this properly done. Fanboys are toxic. Actual fans aren't toxic. You just don't like that fans know more than you and tell you that you're wrong. So I, I just want to get that out of the way real quick. Um, so, in my opinion, Metroid Prime is either some kind of in between uh, and it's not and, and even though you've got like direct sequels uh, with Metroid 2 and Metroid 3 and whatnot or, or rather Super Metroid which is Metroid 3 um, even though you have direct sequels I think Metroid Prime takes place somewhere in between the spaces there or Metroid Prime is prequels because technically if you're going by storyline alone Metroid Fusion has to be the last game because if you recall, and again, spoiler alert, but the game's been out since 2002, 2003, so like you guys are, what, 17 years too late? Um, at the end of Fusion, you know, you are left as a fugitive of the Galactic Alliance because you are still fused with the, uh, with the you know, the bio suit that uh, is stuck to your body, even though now it's orange. Um, you're fused to it. It hasn't left your body yet. Uh, and you've also just blown up a lab that's run by the Galactic Alliance, and so they're probably after you at this point. Right. So you know, and and, and we never and we never got closure on that. We never, we, you know, on in other M or any of the other stuff, any of the little Metroid games they made. We never we never got closure on those facts, which means that we have to assume that all of the other games came before that. I mean, and it's possible because Metroid Prime features some more futuristic it's weird to say that for a metroid game futuristic but more futuristic tech it, it so. is but at the same time too when we say when we, because there's a lot of inferences you know um when when we talk about like side scrolling tech they can't really give you all of the subtlety that goes along with certain technology whereas a 3d game of course can uh, but metroid prime even by its name kind of denotes that it's like the beginning if that makes any sense even so though like they have Metro- really, but but if it is, then they would have to acknowledge events that happened. I don't know because it's never been. It, mentioned. I, I think I think Metroid Prime could have happened before the events of Metroid One. In my opinion, I think I think it's plausible to think that that happened because there's no mention there's no mention of and and correct me if I'm wrong. There's no mention of the uh, quote unquote original missions of Metroid. Um, it's also kind of like Zelda in the sense that they give you a weird disparate timeline. That's true. So it very well could be, or it could be Zelda doing. It could be doing. Oh, the timeline split after Super Metroid and. No, 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 no. There's there there is nothing. There there is nothing in the science of 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 all things holy and 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 Vulcan 
uh, that 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 tell me that there has been a split in time space in which Metroid could have happened in that way. And I sincerely hope not. It's it's much easier. I think Metroid has a much easier time creating a linear timeline than uh, than Zelda does. I don't know. I just want the next Metroid Prime to come out already. Or a Metroid game to come out. That's what I want. I'm I'm actually okay with the wait, and it's only because I'm really tired of lackluster Metroid games. And it doesn't take much. It really only took two for me to be pissed off. And guess what? Two is pretty much all we got in terms of lackluster Metroid games. Um, I mean, you know... Go ahead. I still want an F-Zero game. It has been since the GameCube. Bring me F-Zero. Uh, I mean, yeah, F-Zero's okay. F-Zero, and, and that's just me personally, uh, um, I, I think that F-Zero is, is fine as is. Um, not in the sense of, like, I don't want another one. Not in the sense of, like, I don't enjoy F-Zero. But, I mean, and I never played the, what was it, was it 64 or GameCube? Was was the newest uh, one? That the came last out. one was on GameCube. So you had one release on. So you have F Zero and then F Zero X and then F Zero GX. Okay, so I've played. I, I, I there was one for Game Boy Advance, right? Uh, yes. So I've played the one for Game Boy Advance, and I originally played the one for SNES, and I and I like those just fine. But in in my understanding and rec- and recollection, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, there was no real storyline. F Zero is just a fun racing game for me. It's for me, it's akin to like Mario Kart. I'm like, I like it. I, I race. I knock guys into electric walls. Sometimes I have to, you know, utilize some tricks and some ramps. It's a fun race game. Like, and so that's that's what it is for me. And that's um, all it is. Is it's just an intergalactic racing game, and it's a lot of fun, and it's high speed, and we should get another one soon. I think. I mean, there's, there's always Star Wars Pod Racer out for the Switch if you want to spend fifteen bucks and I'd go back to some Nintendo nostalgia. I don't need oh, to sure. experience. I don't need to crash and say this is pod racing every time. <laughs> oh man! But so, what else have you been playing lately? Well, like I said, Breath of the Wild, of course, Animal Crossing, and then I started playing some my time at Porsche. That's been relaxing, gathering materials, building things. It's just like a Stardew Valley kind of Harvest Moon simulator. But then I've but I've booted up my Wii U. I found that on there, and I've sunk a bunch of time into it, and that would be Harvest Moon 64. Nice. I even bought Fire Emblem recently to play on the Switch, and that's basically Nintendo Persona, and I got about two hours into it and decided I was playing Breath of the Wild instead. Very cool. Uh, Let's see. So recently, uh, I have been playing uh, Everspace, uh, which is uh, it came out you know three years ago. Uh, fun game. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a roguelike uh, space shooter kind of shooting loot. Uh, and there's a lo- there's definitely like a loose storyline in there, but it's really fun. Um, I think it's definitely the kind of game that No Man's Sky wanted to be, uh, with the exception of the fact that it does not have uh, any kind of world roaming abilities where you can actually go on the planet, look at the flora and fauna. Um, it's very you're very much tied to your spaceship. But overall, as far as the addicting factor, it is a very fun game to play. I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, if you're a fan of RPGs, um, and more particularly the Star Ocean series, which I am a huge fan of, I haven't gotten into that really, but I'm I'm a big big Star Ocean fanboy. I love Till the End of Time. I like Last Hope. Um, and so I downloaded First Departure R for Switch. Um, and I know that it was previously released as a re-release on PSP. Uh, I didn't. I, I totally missed that release and. Uh, I don't believe, because of course I was a kid my and my funds were very limited as a kid, you know, like zero. Um, 
<laughs> so I didn't get to play Star Ocean originally when it came out uh, natively. But uh, I like this. I, I think as a Star Ocean game, it maintains the same mechanics. Uh, it's very much like a hack-and-slash-style RPG uh, in, in the very same way that, like, Tales of Vesperia is or in the way that, like, Star Ocean typically is, um, you know. And I think it does a good job of that. Um, I also downloaded Earth Atlantis because it was on sale for, like, three bucks. So I, I decided, you know, it was fun enough. And so far it has been a, a really good time killer. If you've got 20 minutes to kill and, and you want to, you know, drive a, uh, an, a fully animated submarine... Uh, and shoot aquatic robots. Uh, that's also a fun game. Uh, I downloaded another puzzle game that's very reminiscent to me of uh, Valiant Hearts. Uh, Valiant Hearts okay. is better, by the way. But if you ever played Valiant Hearts, the World War I uh, side-scroller kind of storytelling game, it's not really RPG, I wouldn't call it that, but it's, it's one of those... Um, it's definitely a narrative game. Uh, but it's called The Great Perhaps. Uh, and that's a fun one. You are a cosmonaut. Uh, and you are like a time-traveling cosmonaut. So I'm not going to get too much into details because it's still a new game. It just released, I want to say, two weeks ago, so I'm not going to ruin that for anyone. Um, but it is a fun game. Uh, I recommend it if you like those kinds of puzzle games. Uh, forewarning, it is really short, so uh, I think the main price is like 7 bucks. but if you don't want to pay the 7 bucks, wait for it to go on sale. I'm sure it will again. Uh, and then finally, uh, I played a game called Ailment, which is kind of like a Left 4 Dead, um, and I think that's quite fun. Uh, you're basically... It's like Left 4 Dead meets Dead Space, so you're just an astronaut on a spaceship. Uh, if you can tell, there's a theme. I like space games. Um, uh, you're you're you know part of a crew on a spaceship, and you're kind of just roaming around, and you're shooting all these space zombies because some disease has taken them over while they try to eat your face. Um, okay. And that's a good one. And then my, my actual final, final game when we're talking about indie games and, and other releases that have come out is Time Spinner. And Time Spinner's been out for a little over a year, in my opinion. Um, it's uh, I, I really don't even know what to classify it as, honestly. It's it's a mix between a couple of different games. Uh, there's a real story there. Uh, there's there's definitely an objective that you are trying to accomplish. Um, it's kind of like a Castlevania or Metroidvania, uh, but it takes place in three different time periods. Uh, and it's quite fun. Uh, and I think even even on a harder difficulty, once you get to a certain point, um, you know, you're kind of just plowing through enemies. It's and it's a fun game. Uh, I, I will give you a forewarning, not to not to get political on it, but as a forewarning, uh, the themes are very liberal. So if you're someone who's going to get triggered by by you know people doing what they want and and having an opinion, then don't play it. I guess. Gotcha. So I do have two more games I want to toss out there that I was playing over the last couple of times since our last episode. Let's hear it. So the first one I bought during the Steam sale was FTL when it was on sale. Yes, and how did you like that? I love it. So for those who aren't in the know, FTL's been out for a little while now, but you have you pick a ship, you have your crew, and you're escaping from the rebels. And going and making short hops and managing your resources while every time it's just a random thing happens. You get battles, or you find a ship, or a shop, or you can get crew members, or there's a trap, and you're just trying to make it to free space. And it's a lot of fun. It is super frustrating at times. Uh, fuck the Mantis people. And their That's teleporting racist. abilities. Fuck them for being able to teleport onto my ship and fuck me up when I'm not expecting it. Um, yeah. 
So all in all, it's a great game, and I have sunk a lot more time into it than I care to admit right now. The other all game right. is a game I've had for a while. It's been out for a while, and it's a game that fits one of my favorite things about one of my favorite genres of games, which are simulation games. And that is Game Dev Tycoon. Where you are just that. You have a game development company and get to develop games for consoles and try to make million dollar sellers. And it's just time wasting, but it's a lot of fun. You get to allocate resources, hire your staff, pick the games, name the games, pick what they release on, and just some of the nuances of what you do. Like right now, I have myself my own digital distribution platform like steam i have an mmo going we have our own game convention going we have our own game console out there it's a lot of fun and another game that i have sunk hundreds of hours into over over the last couple of years but in the last week i probably played another 20 30 hours of it that's what happens did when you, you have uh, baby. do you did you do you make your workers come in as a game developer uh during covid19 or do you let them stay home i mean they're just writing code, dude. They can stay home and do that. That's nice of you. I mean, we're a tycoon. We're not. We're not dictators. We're just tycoons. Do you do you do you you know silence their opinions whenever they don't like uh, who it is you're you're selling code to, or like if you're punishing certain gamers for having political opinions? I'm sorry. What? No, we're not EA or Bethesda. In fact, we release our source code for free if they ask for it and release patches for old games if they find bugs. We're the good guy developers. Bethesda's a good guy developer. If, you know, they, they, or they used to be. They'd go back to being a good guy developer if they would ever just hurry the fuck up and come out with a new game like that. Not Starlink. I can't remember what, what it's called. Um, but they're, they're having a new space-themed RPG game that's supposed to be kind of in the... Uh, in the theme of like Elder Scrolls, and I'm still waiting on my Elder Scrolls Six. So Hod uh, Tower is waiting on Bethesda to put out a game that I actually want to wait to play for. The only one recently would be Doom, and I don't even really consider that Bethesda because it's still an id game in my heart. True. And where's Quake, y'all? When do we get into new Quake? Also, uh, if you guys are interested in FTL, the same studio put out a game called Into the Breach, which is available on your Switch. Um, and basically, if you like modular, uh, procedurally generated kaiju mecha chess. That's pretty much the best way that I can put it. It's it is fun as hell. I'll have to check that one out. I guess that is that, that is we're gonna, we're gonna move out of video games now and into. Do we call it our sci-fi summer? Even though it's science fact. I think I think it's science fact. I think that we've we've stuck into the uh, the science fiction with all of the video games we were talking about between the Metroid and everything else. Uh, as as our sci-fi summer draws to a close here, the uh, well at the at the time of this recording, we are at the somewhat beginning of August. Uh, yeah. So at the time of this recording, we are we have one more sci-fi summer topic that we've been wanting to talk about that we'll probably get to in the next episode to close it all out with. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So we we've had a lot of we have had a lot of space launches in the past couple of weeks. Um, some have been more notable than others. We had the Ariane launch. Uh, we've had the we've had numerous SpaceX launches. I can't even. Oh, I know the biggest one being Starlink finally went up. We had a couple. Well, I mean, it's it's not finally. They've they've launched multiple Starlink satellites in the past. 
Um, this, these are, this is just a new round of them. Delayed a few times recently. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, these are we, a we've different for the other Starlink satellites because these actually have some solar shielding on them to eliminate the brightness or to help cut down on the brightness. Yeah. So for anyone who's wondering about why the brightness matters, there were a lot of astronomers, and rightfully so. Uh, and and I, I wholeheartedly agree with this. There were a lot of astronomers um, and astrophysicists, both professional and amateur, who were really pissed uh, that the Starlink satellites were ruining their view of the night sky. Uh, and there's there's a couple of videos, actually. Uh, there's not just one or two on, on YouTube, if you go looking, of um, astronomers who go out into what would otherwise be really the middle of nowhere uh, with, their, with their telescopes, and they're trying to do astrophotography. And... Uh, they've got satellite tracking uh, apps on their phone so they know what's going to be coming into their field of view and when to avoid taking pictures, so on and so forth. Um, and of course, like clockwork, they're watching the train of Starlink satellites go by, and it's you know it's not just one or two, it's like five, six, seven, ten, twelve, twenty, and and it's just a train of them going by. Um, and it really, you know, it, and if, you, if you're an astronomer of any kind, it does ruin the experience of what you're trying to do. Um, so we've had more recently. Yeah, we, we had the Falcon the, Nine. Well, to go real ahead. quick to go back with that because we had talked before about space junk in the in the artificial stuff in the sky, oh, yeah. and, and and the Starlink's a big part of that. And especially with how many he plans on having up there, and SpaceX wants to have up there, I'm hoping their solar solar shielding that they're doing helps a lot. Because yeah, I've seen some of the time time lapses of the videos from the uh, Starlink satellites and they, they just, you see them streak. You see this details across the sky of them and it's just, they're super bright. Yeah. They don't, they don't, they don't call it a constellation of satellites for nothing. It, that that yeah. really is quite the literal description. It, it is a, it is a constellation of satellites that really just does look like a grouping of stars. And it totally, if you're, if you're out there to look for stars, it ruins your view uh, completely. Well, and think but, about it for those people who were out there just recently looking at the comet Neowise in the sky. How many of them may have had their views ruined because some startling satellites went by? Sure. Um, so we've we've got the uh, Starlink. We've, we've got the one of the Starlink satellites that went up on August seventh. Uh, we've got well, there was a Long March uh, rocket that went up in China on the sixth. But of course, as as is typical for that. as is typical for for Chinese launches, we we didn't get much. Um, there were a couple of people who were going through VPNs. Uh, and trying to broadcast something about the Chinese launches, but we just thought uh, those going were, to Mars. Yeah, those those have been unsuccessful for the most part. Um, we did have some really big news. Uh, I, well, actually, before I get to the big big news, uh, we, had we had the, the Discovery Express rover. Launch. We had the Discovery rover that went up. We did uh, on Perseverance, um, and that was an Atlas rocket. That was uh, that was uh, that was a straight up NASA rocket. Yeah, uh, that, that was. was a NASA I believe rocket. that's. Yeah, that's a that's a ULA technically. It's United Launch Alliance. Um, but yeah, they're they're one of the contractors that's more governmentally uh, sided than SpaceX is typically. The the ULA has uh, different you know workings with uh, other companies uh, like Lockheed and, and big contractors. Um, yes, we did have uh, a Soyuz go up on the twenty third of July. Yes, we uh, did. And we did have a really cool Japanese rocket, which is the Ho that was the Hope uh, one of the Hope Mars missions, ones that you were talking about. Um, and that was on the 19th, and that was awesome. That uh, I think we discussed that previously on another show. We may have, but that um, was a pretty rocket launch. That was really nice, and again, it was super efficient. Just it was, <laughs> there was no question about it. They just did it with with what what I I call you know typical Japanese efficiency. They just they they were there. They did the countdown. They launched it. That was the end of it. No fluff, yep. and it was they launched super the first, efficient. The first Arabic 
rover. It was in it from the UAE. Yep. Yep. So, well, no, I, was it was it was it UAE or was it? It was, um, it was UAE. What did we say it was before we made a mistake? Was it Saudi Arabia? It was I think Saudis before. Yeah. So to yeah. correct that, it was the you know, Arab Emirates and not not the Saudis. But the but big we, news in yeah, launches right now: the 150 news. meter hop for the for the the Starship. That was super yes. cool. That was awesome to see the giant, basically grain silo fly. Yeah, that was that was awesome, especially because it landed. It landed on all of its legs. Uh, very yep. cool. Uh, I wonder how that's going to work when it's really top heavy and it has about you know five more of those grain silos stacked on top of it. Uh, you know, it'll if it lands on its legs and then topples over. I hope not. Uh, but it was it was really cool to see something that big. That was really cool to see, and then. We also had something huge happen for SpaceX as well. Bob and Doug came home. Oh, that's right. Bob and Doug did indeed come home. Uh, and and I, uh, I did post that on our Facebook page. Uh, so if you guys want to go check that out, although I'm sure most of you uh, went ahead and actually just watched it at some point in time, whether retroactively or, or what. Um, yep. But yeah, they so uh, we posted those pictures. Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Pensacola. Yep, super cool. Uh, that was that was very fun. And then uh, if you if if you decide you want to take it, uh, take a look at their interview after the fact, um, you know, like 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 a lot of astronauts, they you know, they they gave their their spiel on on a borderless world, things like that. And the fact that it's really eye opening to see it from that from that particular view, which, of course, uh, of course, I imagine it is, um, you know, uh, I I have seen I, I've had a, a similar feeling uh, in, in my tenure of flying. Uh, and you know it's 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 very cool. I can only imagine what that uh, that overview perspective must really be like when you see the whole sphere and you're just like, wow. Uh, but yeah, um, unfortunately, though, they were saying because they were there for a short period of time, they did not get the opportunity to take as many pictures um, or or have as much of that what what I would otherwise call downtime. But I don't think it's I don't think it's really disproportional. Uh, I think that they were just there for less time and so they had to get more done. If that makes sense. So they, right. they had less opportunities over the over the span of, of time uh, to take pictures and really enjoy themselves uh, and, and take in the views. But they did have some crazy long spacewalks. They they had like yeah, a seven did. or eight hour spacewalks just changing out those batteries from the old uh, from the old nickel batteries to the lithium ion batteries, and that was cool. I got to I got to sit at my desk at work. Don't tell my bosses um, and, and watch that on my phone. <laughs> Yeah, uh, for seven hours. I don't think my I don't think they'll be happy to know that I spent seven hours of my time watching that. But it was, it was a good time. Good time. No, it's good to watch, and it's historic to see this happen because now SpaceX has done their final test, and we'll see more missions from them going up to the ISS and hopefully beyond soon with Dragon. But right. Exactly. And one of the Dragon for me and... was watching interviews with Bob and Doug as they were not interviews, but just things they were talking while they were in the capsule, showing off like the command and the the touch pads and stuff, and just how truly how different it is from just the space shuttle itself oh absolutely and it totally shows the uh, one it shows the capability of the dragon and i think that was a good thing too because they brought the question in of course for uh super rich assholes i mean investors uh to eventually get up to uh you know some kind of commercial space flight where they get to go up, up into orbit um and and they were basically saying like hey like this still requires uh, an amount of training and testing so like yes, Dragon worked for us this time around, but like there's no guarantee that Dragon's gonna work for you this time around because this is Dragon, this is Crew Dragon rather, uh, this is Crew Dragon's first flight. So, you know, let's let's give it a couple more rounds and, and see what happens. Um, yeah, it's and of course, first I, flight, so we know it can do it. We'll see what keeps happening with it. 
Exactly. And, and I can say from my own experience, um, you know, when and, and uh, Bob and Doug made this very, very clear. And I appreciated the fact that they did this because a lot of people like to think uh, we could because in, in, in the hundred years or so of flight that we've been doing uh, in, in this country and in the world, really, uh, we tend to take flight in general, uh, whether it's aviation or, or aerospace for uh, for granted. Um, but aviation and, and space travel is inherently unforgiving. It's not inherently dangerous, but it is inherently unforgiving. Um, and they made it very clear. He's like, look, aviation is already unforgiving enough. He's like, space flight is twice, three times more so. You know, he's like, if you oh, if you yeah. make one mistake, you are you are done. It is all done. Like uh, the whole thing yeah, just, so, just goes. Yeah, because in aviation, you make one mistake, there's a chance you can survive a plane crash. Absolutely, and even a helicopter crash. You know, it depends because we we've we've got fail safes in there. So when when an airplane engine goes out, for instance, you have a glide slope. So you have a you have a powerless glide slope based on your on your on your weight and uh, and lift ratio, and you can literally just glide a plane down to all the way to the scene of the crash. It's going to be a very hard landing, but you can do it. Even helicopters. Helicopters have the ability to auto rotate, where as they fall, uh, the the passage of air underneath the rotor blades will spin them. Uh, at a, granted, at a much slower rate than if the engines were turning them, but you can do a hard landing in a helicopter and survive it, uh, provided you don't do a, a totally flat spin, which is awful. Um, no, but you can't really do that in a spacecraft. No, there, no, especially. I mean, well, let's consider this too. There is no, there are no wings. You're, you're in a, you're in a capsule. You're in a, in a, in a conical capsule falling out of orbit. <laughs> there's, yep. there's very little room for saving you. Yeah, this isn't the space shuttle. No, it's not. And I'm exactly there's no glide slope. You know, the yeah. space shuttle and the space shuttle was a glider. There there was no you know, there there's no auxiliary and I'm 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 fairly certain at least there was no auxiliary uh thrusters on a space shuttle. Those were all used up in you know in orbit and getting it to the ISS. And yep. coming back there is you know, you're you're just gliding it back down, you know, and you, you drop the landing gear and then you hit the you know you hit the runway and you, you deploy a chute. There's nothing, there's no reverse thrusters, there's no anything. There's no brakes, yeah, you're just go. You have to slow down with that and break, and that's it. Exactly. So where you get with, at least, uh, yeah, with these, it's a capsule coming through, so there is no way to abort or glide it safely if it's not going to land safely. Right. Much you know, it's a much more traditional rocket. And granted, of course, much more technologically advanced as well. So we'll give them the credit where it's due. Um, you know, they're not Look, they're least, not doing propulsion landing land in water. Hey, at least they get to land in water, unlike the Russians. Right. Well, I mean, they're not doing propulsion landings. Um, you know, and and so and and understandably so. You know, NASA didn't want it; they thought it was a risk. Um, and and I get it. Uh, but you know, they they do have the correction the the correction thrusters that that you know change uh change their direction while they're coming out of orbit. Um, but still, you know, you you're a capsule falling into water, and and you've got parachutes. And like, yep. I mean, when you consider the I don't want to say dubious; that's not the right word for it. But when you consider the inherently dangerous nature of something as simple as like skydiving, you know. When you skydive, there's still absolutely a uh, a factor of error, you know, in, oh, in the parachute yeah. that's in your bag. So I mean, you can imagine, right? Exactly, and so you can totally imagine that with you know with with things like this, like there, what what are the what are the possibilities that your parachutes are not going to deploy on this capsule? Right, and that's always a thought. There's always oh, that certain. possibility that it's not going to deploy, and whether and therein lies the big tragedy. Or anything, and there lies in everything to it. Exactly, and there lies the big tragedy. You know, like if you know everything could go totally perfectly, and they could come out of come out of orbit, and they could rather they could deorbit uh, for the proper vernacular. Um, you know, they they can deorbit, and and as they're coming down, you know, back into the Earth's atmosphere, 
their parachute doesn't deploy, and then they break the surface tension of the water, and that capsule shatters into a million pieces. You know, and it's just, it's yeah, it's it's so it's totally there. You know, the the danger exists. Well, um, yeah, so, and it's know. happened before with Russian, with some of the Russian missions with like a Soyuz. It knew it couldn't slow itself down. It, the, the, the shoots didn't deploy on the way in. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy, crazy. Imagine knowing that, that you're in a capsule, it's going down, you know that the shoots didn't deploy, so you know what's going to happen when it stops. That's just crazy yeah. to think about. Well, this show took a dark turn. Well, we do that here. Occasionally, yeah. But, but yeah, that's some craziness. But at the same time, though, we have to consider the positives of all of this. This was uh, a very good couple of weeks for the progress of spaceflight. And every every launch is is a good uh, a good experience for the progress of spaceflight. And we have to consider that. And we have to remember that. You know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think that with with the advancement of scientific technology here. On you know on on the surface you know whether it's iPads or or whatever the hell comes out the new the new breakthrough uh, Neuralink all these other things, um you know we consider that like we're just we're marching forward at this ridiculous pace which mind you the pace is slowing down so let's not get ahead of ourselves, um but you know uh we 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 you know we look at things like Star Trek all sorts of science fiction which we all we all love to talk about of course if you're a fan of the show then it's probably because you're a nerd like us. Um, and we, we like to think that there's a possibility that we're already there because it's something that's really in the forefront. We have things like these new rocket launches, um, you know, especially with, uh, you know, the government coming out and saying things like, oh, well, we, we have off-world aircraft or off-world spacecraft. And so, like, you know, we like to think that, like, the future is here for us. And it's like, well, I mean, kind of yes and no. Like, we, we can't take any of it for granted. Um, but we'll, we'll certainly cover that topic more, uh, and, and you guys can speculate, uh, to your heart's desires as to what, what the next topic's going to be based on, on that. Right. And I guess one, one of, at least one of our final things that I wanted to mention with it is we talked about Starlink. Did you know that Elon's plan and how many are already up there for Starlink is more than human space and satellite history what is? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we, I think we have... I and mean, we we cited this number before, and I, I'm actually going to pull it up real quick because I want to make sure that when we're talking about certain numbers, I want to make sure that I've got accuracy. All right, so from what I'm seeing here, there are about 2,000 active satellites orbiting Earth, and there are also approximately 300 dead ones littering space, but there are 34,000 pieces of space junk bigger than 10 centimeters in size and millions right. of smaller pieces that could nonetheless prove disaster to hit something else. Now, one thing we have to consider... Uh, when and and we've brought this up, uh, we brought this up on previous episodes, but just to keep in mind, you have to consider how big ten centimeters is. Yeah. All right. So I mean, it's it's you know, it's a it's a solid chunk of uh, of debris uh, or debris, depending on what country you're from. Uh, so <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a good size of debris, uh, and and so. You know, the, and they and astronauts have said this. Um, I forget, man. I, I wish I remembered, but there was a, the gentleman who was on Joe Rogan's uh, podcast, and he was an astronaut, and he was talking about this specifically. It's like a paint ship traveling at at approximately twenty four thousand miles per hour. You know, uh, a paint ship can literally puncture the spacesuit, go through an entire astronaut, and then continue on. Uh, you know, unobstructed or unobstructed rather. Um, yeah. 
you know, and that's why they have the, that's why they designed the space station the way they have in the external and internal holes of, of things. Um, but it's crazy. So you consider 10 centimeters, that's, that's a pretty large char- chunk of something. So if, if something that's uncontrolled, it's pulled back into the gravity of Earth uh, within a certain range, hits a satellite, that satellite breaks up and creates, you know, another thousand uh, pieces of, of more space junk. And all of that, which is functioning within a lower Earth orbit, hits another satellite, hits another satellite, and it creates a whole chain reaction. We lose everything. You lose this yep. podcast, you lose your GPS, you lose your cell phone, you lose all of it. You, you know, everything that we've based our lives on in the past 20 years, we just completely lose. So, I mean, and, and uh, yep. I'm sure we haven't, we haven't discussed post-apocalypse, which you probably should at some point on this podcast. But, right, um, one day. <laughs> one day. They've but, they've done the uh, they've done the measurement though. If we lost all of our technology today, the 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 furthest into technological advancement that we as a species would get to, without all of our uh, you know our, our new capacitors and everything else, our internet link ups uh, would be the 1970s. We would just go straight back to the 1970s. And and I'm okay with that because I'm an 80s kid, and so I I come from the you know and as is Corey, uh, we come from the uh gap the bridging of the gap between the analog and digital generations but like yep our our, our kids wouldn't you know our grandkids wouldn't and nope. so that's a that's that's a real concern for them as as we continue to become more spacefaring as a species as we continue to put more things into orbit uh more satellites we have to consider there's there's an exponential risk um especially if he puts up starlink uh and that becomes a preeminent internet provider not just for us, but for people all over the world, because one of the main, one of the real main boons of the Starlink program is that it's going to provide uh, high-speed one-gig internet uh, to people in rural and remote areas that otherwise wouldn't have internet. That just doesn't count as like you know just United States rural areas. That really means like people living in Africa, people who are yeah, are economically disenfranchised. We're a fee. Absolutely, it's not free. We have to keep that up. We do need to remember that there is going to be a fee associated with the Starlink access. And that's fair. And I wager, uh, because of what he says his his mission statement is, uh, and by he I mean Elon. It'll be affordable. Um, I imagine it's going to be affordable based on the ability to pay and based on the inflation rate for whatever the particular country the subscriber resides in. That's that as a business that as a business model that would make the most sense to me. Um, but then again, who knows? Because corporations, so they do what they want. But I, and and it's a good thing. But at the same time, people who become dependent on that service, uh, if at all. They have to consider like what happens when you know something hits a Starlink satellite, and and takes out that constellation chain, or hits a Starlink satellite, and that Starlink satellite becomes a threat to every other satellite within the constellation. And that's unfortunately something that could be a real possibility with the amount of space junk we have up there. Because I mean, with every time a rocket launches, when those stages separate, debris is left. It doesn't matter. Right. And and it doesn't matter how many stages. Like even 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 though we recover the first stage. You know, the second stage is not always recovered. Um, it doesn't always splash down or fall back to Earth. Um, and the fairings, we, we tend to lose a lot of the fairings, too. I mean, granted, and, and yes, some fairings we, we, we just drop in the stratosphere and we get them back on Earth. And most of the fairings we try to get back on Earth. But yeah, and we're, look, look at SpaceX trying to catch and reuse their fairings. Right, and thank goodness for that, of course, because they're a company. And so as part of a corporate model, it makes more sense to, to reuse, um, you know, a lot of the resources. And totally understanding that, and, and really, that's a, I applaud that. That's a great effort. Um, but we really do need to keep these things in mind, because even though they seem remote, even though they seem like they're not our problem, like, all of this is our problem. You know, as we live here on Earth and as we continue to use it, like, if you're listening to this podcast right now, it's your problem. 
Like, right. and, and it's something that you need to consider and, and something that, you know, not, not to, and again, not to be super political, but like, if it's something that you, you really understand, uh, you should be writing your Congress people and, and voicing that this is a legitimate concern so that they can bring this up in some form of meeting because it is a concern. Um, it's not a political thing. This is really an existential thing. Uh, if you, if you like this way of life, you like internet, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's something to be concerned about. Yep, and it's exactly right. It is something to be concerned about. If you like the array of life, space junk is something that could threaten it, and we need to bring awareness to that. Hashtag bring awareness to space junk. No, this, it's it's really not a hyperbolic issue, and there's really no political line. Like I, I doesn't, regardless of what your position on climate change is, regardless on what your position on on any number of of polluting issues, this has nothing to do with that. This really is uh, <laughs> there's. There's really no other way to put it. This is this is straight fact. This is not a political issue in any way, shape, or form, and it's not a matter of opinion. Uh, you know, it's not it's not a scientist thing. Uh, and and one day, uh, I, I say I say when rather than if, and it's going to be a tragic day. But one day, a piece of space junk is going to cause a catastrophe, and and I, I fear that as a species, we're going to be more reactionary than proactive on it. Um, and it's it's going to be a bad day for all of us when a piece of space junk really ruins our day. Yeah, because unfortunately, we've seen a lot of what our species is is reactive over, over proactive. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. That's the unfortunate thing to say is that that's how we are. On that note, I think that's our episode. And on that bombshell, please don't on sue that us. Bombshell, it is time for <laughs> us to leave. Thank you so much for allowing us to rip off Top Gear to leave today. Oh, man. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. You guys have a wonderful week, night, month. Uh, Take care.